like the greatest now. I'm like the greatest now. Looking like somebody made it now. I know they hate it now. What is going on, everybody? Dylan Meadows, Ball and Barrel, here with you again on the Third Degree Podcast, our beautiful platform that we have. Joined with my my good friend, Mr. Greg Cobb. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? It is so good to hear your voice, man. Your episode got a tons of plays. So at, hey. yeah, I mean, like you like you said, you were you're basically a celebrity now. So it's so you need to give the people what they want. Stay, change my name to Stephen A. I guess. Don't you do that because we <laughs> we want to attain listeners and subscribers, and we want our we audience keep to like getting, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, it, I'm okay with uh, half of our audience liking us, half of our audience hating us. But if we're just like screaming at each other over a bunch of nonsense, I feel like that's a great way to get people to stop listening altogether. I feel that. Mm. <sighs> just made myself a nice Manhattan. There you go. Oh yes, it's um let's just say Greg, it is definitely well deserved. I'll tell you what else is well deserved, man. This uh this new slate that we got for college football this week. Seriously. We're uh, we are we are blessed with yet again another wonderful slate. Last week was just kinda meh, but you know, there was still enough of uh entertainment to just keep everyone excited. Greg, there to was me, good though, enough football already... to find if you were willing to go find it last week, but it just—it wasn't the games you thought you'd be watching. That's true. Um, at one point, when I did turn off uh, USC and Colorado, it was just Colorado was just down so bad, and then I happened to see they scored twice, and then I turned it back on, and I took away more from um, USC's defense being softer than puppy shit than. Holy 100%. hell, Shador Sanders is really lighting it. I mean, he was already lighting it up, but absolutely, that was that was such an entertaining game to watch, and pretty much everything that just happened last week again. Like it's, I mean, to me, it's Greg. This is the time of year where you know we're actually going to start seeing everyone playing one another. Yep, for you know, sure. We're not those teams that have pretty much gone through cupcake schedules are now actually, you know, starting to get in like the thick of their competition. And I think Georgia pretty much got the biggest wake up call with that for last for sure. week. Well, if... and on the flip side of that coin too, <laughs> if you go the other route of the teams that have gone through the gauntlet now, is, yeah, you're getting into the meat of their schedule, but in some respects, it's how much can you relax and how much do you have to keep the intensity up? Like the Ohio States of the world that have already gone through the Notre Dames early, you know? So here's what's interesting about those games. So those big games, and especially the week after them, it's really hard to keep 18 to 22-year-old kids, or hell, even I guess where you can say like 24 to 25-year-old like young men, emotionally at that like high level. I mean, think about it, bro. Like Colorado... They're pretty much like promoting every game, like kind of like a like an old school like boxing promoter. Like we're For really sure. like like we're hyping this up. Like doesn't matter who the opponent is, we are hyping them up. And week in week out, the the players are supposed to pretty much just match that, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental and from an emotional standpoint. And just to do that. Literally week in, week out, week in, week out. It just that's a lot. That's a tall task for sure. It's it's feeling a lot like a uh, like a WCW nineties, you know, coming up to the wrestle match, whatever. Oh, Better settle it on the field, the, brother. We're gonna meet you out there, and we're gonna give it to you. And that's where we know how, because we're Colorado. <laughs> Bro, if we want to dive into the Monday Night War, we can. Like that is. Yes, like I am all. I was a fan of the WCW and WWE, and again, the fact that they were literally just fighting for not only the same night but for the same ratings That's and right. just different audience. Um, you know what, Greg? I'll actually. Uh, I was gonna just, you know, I had told you we were gonna kind of like talk a little bit about the the reef cap for week five, but uh, honestly, man, since we're right on Colorado, I I'm gonna get right into the next point. Dude, let's do it. 
So I saw, and I'm I'm glad that you're on here specifically because you're a Michigan fan. So I want to get your perspective from, I guess, either an inside source or even just a little bit of an outside just perspective, I guess. So I saw this report and it made me just kind of cringe. Now, normally I wouldn't let shit like this really affect me. But as you know, and most a lot of other people who either know me or have listened to my, my podcast for a while... I cannot stand people who just compl- who are completely oblivious to how modern society works now. Okay. At one point it worked in a certain way, thrived in a certain way, shit changes just like everything else does in life, and those who refuse to stay current and just stay within their own walls annoy me. Okay. So with that being said, I see this report how Deion Sanders and Jim Harbaugh are bad for college football. So, I don't know how you log the two of them together to begin with. Uh, Whatever case you're trying to make, I don't see them as... that, that, That was the report. Like Both of them, not just from the same... Not because of the same issue, but just because of just who they are individually. Sure. Is what... And That's to interesting. That, interesting's a word. You're right. Interesting is a word. Not, so I'll probably it, not the right. I'll put it this way. There's a name that you could throw out there, and it's Paul Feinbaum. Has a thing, an itch that he has to scratch about always putting Jim Harbaugh down, making sure that he's got his heel ready to, to stomp the Jim Harbaugh when the time comes. And to his credit, he's mostly been right because we flopped in bowl games. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know. They're players' coaches. People like going to play for Jim Harbaugh and like going to play for Deion Sanders. And exactly. The proof is in the pudding. How many NFL players are coming from the University of Michigan and staying long tenured professional careers for playing for a guy like Jim Harbaugh? Okay, so here's why it outside of the refusing to stay current and just acknowledge what they're doing for the sport, here's sure. why I here's another reason why I just find it just asinine that someone would publicly speak this greg i don't know if you like really follow like ratings and like records being and like how many people like watch i mean you probably like have an idea you know pretty much you're a big 10 guy so you understand like the midwestern market and a little bit of just like how park numbers yes but to say that i pay attention to ratings numbers no not so much but yeah i'm with you okay okay well Colorado is essentially breaking records on a week by week basis with different people, not just casual fans like us, but just, or even just the deep dive people like he, like he's reaching a whole different level of audience. I mean, even the casual watchers are, they're bringing in the casual watcher. They're getting the independent voter, so to speak. Someone that's just wanting to put football in and doesn't know what to watch. They're going to flip on Colorado because that's what's in the news right now. Because it's such a big story, and it's a cool story. Exactly. And those that are just kind of just pushing against this, I just think they just hate the fact that someone like Dion can just come in with a whole new roster, pretty much like put his stamp of on every single individual transaction and pretty much bring out the bravada amongst his personality and just, you know, infuse it into these kids. And the fact that they're... Greg, it doesn't matter if they lose the rest of the season. The fact sure. that they've already tripled their win total from last year, they've gotten so many people to, like you said, just turn on Colorado and watch them. They've had a like, perfect that is, season. They've they've already done more than anybody. They're already them winners. To do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they, they shouldn't are... go out and earn some more wins. Go go beat some guys up out in the Pac-12. Do it, boys. But like. Even if they don't, I mean, hell of a season already. Incredible. I agree. And more people are just going to watch. So that just leads to more advertisement, more, you know, TV networks wanting to be a part of it. Like just pretty much like, you know, again, more people drawn to the sport of college football. And it's, um, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, you know, you're, you're probably around the time where to remember, uh, do you remember when it was like when, uh, pretty much like when Tiger Woods, like once he stopped competing in like junior like leagues and once he started to like yep. Took really step onto the ma- 
Yes, yep. and everyone was like, why the hell do we keep hearing about this kid? Like, who is he? Like, you know, pretty much all, like, the old heads were just kind of just like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you talk about him too much. And then you have these other people, like, years later, like Phil Mickelson down the line, be like, this dude's made me more money than I ever thought possible. Absolutely. Like, am I, I'm, I may not have beaten him, but I mean, changed the game enough he, to get me paid the big bucks. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think those that are really just kind of like really not really hooked into the Colorado program, but are at least just kind of just like silently like rooting for them. They understand that it's like, all right, well, we have a whole new, again, sets of audience that's drawn to the sport that we love. What's what's fun is that like long term, this could really turn into like so Colorado has already uh, has plenty of tradition. It's been longstanding playing lots of good football in the past years. Um, Not recently, obviously, but um, what's cool about it is to think long term that they're creating such a new culture that could be how Colorado looks for the next 50 years based on how Dion is coaching for however long he's here right now. He he could put his stamp on it for a three year tenure. And Colorado's changed forever because of how he operates his his football. You got game day to come over to Boulder. You got sixty minutes to come over and color and cover a, a college football game. You get all like you get people like Warren Sapp, Michael mm-hmm. Irvin, uh, whomever. Uh, you get you, you Dwayne get, you give Johnson. A person, yeah, like you give a personal mm-hmm. uh, jersey to uh, Lil Wayne is what, like, just so many people. And think about this, Greg. Like, no one's even talking about the impact this is going to have on their recruiting basis. 1,000%. Transfer portal or high school. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just going to just make every, like, this is going to, like, pretty much every, like, top 50 to 100, maybe even, like, the ESPN three, like, top 300. Pretty much every single one of them will more likely have Colorado in their top 15, 10. Because who wouldn't want to play for Dion and who wouldn't want to get this type of exposure either? And how and how many, I mean, three-star and less are on that roster that would have never seen an NFL contract that are now going to have a professional career because of how Colorado's doing right now? A lot of these kids Not- would have been backups for the entire career of their college tenure had they gone to any other D1 school. But they go to Colorado oh. on a transfer where they're not supposed to technically, according to ESPN, FPI, blah, 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 do anything. And I mean, (laughs) you know, Dion's going to put these kids in the NFL. It's going to be crazy to watch. It's already crazy to watch, man. And uh, I'm all here for it. And uh, I'll just kind of just flip that right over to Harbaugh too. So, you know, pretty much I think the, the, the message across to them was just, again, like not just because of their, you know, they weren't saying that their circumstances were similar. Sure. They're just saying, again, just their individual person. Separately, they were both bad for football, which is an insane thing to say. But Stupid. Right. So fucking stupid because not only is Dion again, like reaching a different audience, Jim Harbaugh just con- continues to prove to just be a proven winner. Mm-hmm. And not just that, man. It's just pretty much everything he was hired to do for Michigan as far as beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten Championship, make the college football playoff, win a natty. Every box has been checked except Except that one one crucial one. And if there is right now an actual team, like a team team that has a nice path to winning the college football championship, it's Michigan. I agree. Georgia's down, Alabama's down, LSU's down. People are still skeptical of Texas, whether or not you want to believe it or not. People are now kind of skeptical about Florida State. For sure. Pretty much anyone that talks about Michigan, the only thing they're really just going to say is, well, they really haven't played a complete game up until when they just played against Nebraska. And even then they can show that they can drop a 40-burger, make your offense look lifeless, and just show that they're a damn good team. Right. And I think what I'm guessing for you is like, okay, so – if Harbaugh would, was to win the Natty this year, would you be surprised to see him leave? So that's always the question, and that's the the conversation that's get, that gets brought up every year around this time. And granted, for good reason, because Jim Harbaugh has gone and taken interviews. Like, I mean, even what last year, two years ago, he went to Minnesota. The Minnesota, like, I mean, just because he had worked with the GM when San Fran when he was going for to sure. back to back to back 
NFC championships. And he's, now, again, he's a proven winner. He, he did come back from that interview, and he's quoted as saying, I'm back, I'm back for good, let's do this, I'm a Michigan man until I retire. Not verbatim, but that's basically what he had said. Understood? Um, the other thing about it, too, is that he's, he's proven this year how he's kind of building his hierarchy within his coaching staff. You can tell he's grooming them a little bit to take over. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he moved on. I wouldn't say retired, but, you know, maybe retired but found himself in a professional gig a year or two later. I just don't see it happening at the end of this year. I really don't. I think he's got some more grooming within his coaching staff that he wants to accomplish. It has absolutely nothing to do with his relationship with the Michigan brand, the pretty much just like, like when you think of Michigan right now, you're, you're in a way like synonymous with Jim Harbaugh. For sure. So it has nothing to do with that. I think he is just sick of, well, the fact that the NCAA still has some bit of power, even though it's been diminishing second by second, like they still have some bit of power. For sure. And, bro, at, I read a report at, that at talking about the day, him and the... The biggest, the biggest friction there is is between Ward Manual and the NCAA. <laughs> That's the report. So, no, I was talking about the, or the report that he read with the, um, the team president. Like, correct. Not just, so like, what he's running into is that... He's, he's getting all these sanctions and all this mess that he's just not agreeing with. And obviously, whatever it is, what it is, prove it or let me go. And at this point, the NCAA can't prove anything or isn't willing to prove anything. So it's just a song and dance. He's sick of that. And I don't blame him. Uh, but the Ward Manual thing, like we're running into a whole thing of like, he can't go out and recruit kids that he wants or get transfer portal kids that he wants that want to come to Michigan because the credits won't transfer because exactly. of the academic standards and i understand that and i respect that completely but at some point there's got to be some wiggle room on, on on some of that like if a kid studied algebra he studied algebra what are we doing here well believe it or not um i believe uh i think notre dame actually like took down a little bit of like their requirements or they, they even kind of like you know, loosened up a little bit of their credentials as well but uh <laughs> just, I don't, I, God, I don't. I, why did I say that? I don't care about Notre Dame. <laughs> Everyone. That's knows all I the don't time we need Notre to give Notre Dame in this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's even still too much. But uh, getting back to Jim Harbaugh, I just think that yeah, he's just sick of yeah, just not only the NCAA, but just that report that I read with that he has with the uh, the team president. Not it's either the athletic depo- athletic director or the team president. One of the two, which had. Uh, like step in and like kind of like talk, have a little bit like give him a little bit of like talking off the ledge as far as like his contract deal. And now, um, yep, yep. Like, hey, like it's money talks, and especially if he has a lot of leverage where now he's beaten Ohio State back to back years, yep. won a big Big Ten championship. Especially if he starts winning, it's like, all right, well, I can go right to the NFL. That's right. right. Well, and there's part of that, too, is that you talk about any of the highest respected coaches, frankly, all time in the NFL. John Harbaugh's in that list. I don't want to use the word jealousy. College and pro. For sure. For sure. Um, But I think there's a little bit of an itch uh, in, in his DNA that he wants to be in the league with his brother. I think he wants to be on par with his brother. And so at some point, yeah, he's going to be in the NFL. I just don't think it's happening this year. (laughs) Only time will tell my friend. We'll see. I think, well, okay. So I'm with you as well. I want Jim Harbaugh to stay in college football because the NFL technically doesn't need him. Well, and we got the, we got the big 10 expanding. He's not going to bail for a new coach with an expansion. Exactly. Like him versus, uh, like, uh, him versus Lincoln Riley, him versus Chip Kelly. You know, he already got the matchup with Ryan Day. That's right. Who's, you know, Luke Fickle is definitely going to work in Wisconsin, whether or not they just really Big Ten do expands what they do. and Jim Harbaugh's going to be in there to make sure he puts his stamp on the new expansion. I, I, I think that's how that goes. I, again, I'm hoping you're right, sir. I, I, I hope he th- that he stay. I think he's much better for college football than he is pro. Again, the pros don't necessarily need him. I just know that, as you said, that he was a 
he he's a competitive person, a very very competitive person. Uh-huh. The fact that he was so close to winning that Super Bowl over his brother with Colin Kaepernick as his quarterback, like I, you can't tell me that he doesn't think about that from time to time. I'm sure there's plenty of sleepless nights over that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, instead of uh, as much as I would love to make this a sleepless evening, I understand that you have things to do, so. We'll jump right into this uh, next segment. Um, I was really, I was curious to read this, and I'm sure that everyone is probably still trying to grasp what exactly does the transfer portal really do? How does it benefit you as quick as it does? Why is it so popular and so fluid as it is? But the fact that the that there is now some guidelines to where our good friend Zach Myers uh, happened to tell us a little bit of the restrictions on the, the transfer portal. Well, now it's even more restrictive. And Greg, from what I was reading, this 45-day window was actually a little bit of a compromise. So they wanted to take it from 60 to 30. They wanted to cut it in half altogether. They just wanted to just completely gut it. Like, no, we want... I think Oof. was it like 30 days after it was like 30 days after the season ended. And then it was like 30 days in the spring. So those are the only days, but they came to a, a little bit of an agreement. So instead of it goes from 60 days to 45 days, which definitely helps, especially if you have those other teams that are just kind of already in shambles and you're just already kind of wondering like, all right, well, what teams yep. can, like what kids are possibly going to enter the portal? Do I still have relationships with person who is already enrolled in a university, a high schooler? It, it's, it's already a bunch of moving parts already. Well, and so what it comes down to, and it's, it's the not what you know, it's who you know, that whole saying. This is the perfect example of how I mean, it's just epitomized by it. I mean, the kids that are successful in the transfer portal go to places that have systems and people in place that'll make them successful. Um, granted, a lot of the kids transfer to be closer to home or transfer to, to for whatever reason, there's any even a thousand reasons a kid moves, oh, moves yeah, schools. Tons of reasons. But as far as like on a talent level or where their pr- uh, production level, uh, the, the places that have good coaches that these kids can go to and good systems that these kids can go to are the ones that have proven the transfer portal successful. Um, and the smaller window, I feel like just kind of, Hey, get to work, guys. <laughs> I mean, you have to find it, yeah, these guys. It, it's it's almost just like, um, okay, so one thing that I think Nick Saban doesn't really get enough credit for, and now you're seeing it in college football, especially within the last decade and especially like a lot of the good teams, he doesn't really get a lot of credit for really creating a personnel department, like an actual like scouting community just kind of just like within like their own building so it's it's almost just like a little bit of the nfl set but instead of being scouts the free agents they're just recruiting analysts and they're recruiting coordinators and people that literally just focus on just like the top prospects and then obviously happen to talk to the position coaches the head coach whomever about some of the players that they've been in contact with and yeah you know, just like creating an actual personnel department. And now you see, I mean, hell, Greg, you see all these teams now with a like college, like general manager, like where, like where was that a 10, 15 years ago, a, a general manager, you mean right. like an, an athletic director? Like, no, like the, the midway point between AD and head coach and more likely the head coach hired that general manager. So yep, it really yep. just, it's just a whole new – it's all shaping up to literally just be minor league NFL, like more and more each That's exactly and every transaction. That's exactly what it became with NIL. The second that we had pay for play, it was – it's you are now semi-pro. It, I mean, that's just what it became. There's no other way to define it. Like, yes, you're student athletes, but now you're being paid ed- education optional. <laughs> you know? Greg, there's some players uh, I read. This isn't just with college football. This is just with a lot of like college athletics. There are some players that literally had to like stop going to class because of how famous they were. Correct. Like they had to literally just have just an online curriculum because if they just went to class, everyone just wants to just, you know, be starstruck by the star. I mean, that happened in 
um, that happened with LSU with uh, Angel Reese and uh, that happened with uh, Caitlin Carrick at Iowa. Like they happened with a few others, like uh, like the baseball players as well. Like it just you're right. Like if NIL just gets you that type of exposure, and especially if you still see billboards of yourself in the local community, like how are you? Like how do you not? get an ego from that (laughs) we jumped full on in the deep end and we didn't know what problems we were jumping into and it's thankfully it's not as bad as it could have been but it's it's a mess and it's it needs some fixing quick because man that's that's a mess it's a mess right now because as you said like there's not exact like there's not a person who's governing everything there's no regulation whatsoever no, sir. This is 1883 where you can shoot your neighbor just because they, you know, didn't return your pie dish or anything like that. Like, you just, <laughs> like you can just walk outside and just kind of just like open fire amongst any of the animals that are all around your property. And just, uh, and to me, it doesn't really seem, I mean, if there is one person, and I think I've said this multiple times, if there is one person who can essentially just be like the college football czar, like the, like an actual, like commissioner of college football, sure. it would be Greg Sankey. Um, okay. You're yeah, an the, SEC guy. I, I, I get it. That's, that's how you would vote fair. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, a decade ago, he pretty much that's... went all in on football. And You're not. Uh, that's not a bad vote, for the record. I'm laughing just with the bias of your answer. Yes, but it, that is a solid the bias. Vote. He says, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Big Ten and SEC is the real rivalry in college football. Uh, ladies that's and right. About to be. It's never ama- It never ceases to amaze me how, again, just how quickly the big 10 and the sec are just kind of just like just separating which is why i i feel as though just the, the the diminishing power of the ncaa they'll actually no you know what greg I don't, i'm not gonna do that because i will <laughs> i'll go into a whole little rabbit hole and then i'll look up and I'll be like i just spent an hour rambling about the just incompetence of the NCAA. I'm not going to do that. You know what, buddy? Let's get right into these That's matchups. That's a whole other special episode. It is, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure even if I just labeled it NCAA uh, dysfunction, like just the title alone, people will just be like, no, nah, I'm good on that one. Like, 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 we'll wait for the next one. Don't need to listen to that one. That, that doesn't seem relevant or even like... Remotely listenable. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Or watchable. I'll tell you someone else who is right now a little unwatchable. And this hurts personally, Greg. Uh-huh. This hurts really, really personally. Let's hear it. My Tigers. I know it. They're 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 going to uh they're going to face some other tigers, some undefeated tigers. And some, it's some playing some actual SEC defense tigers. Like they're yes. they're legitimately playing some really solidly good stout SEC defense when no one else in the league is. It's crazy. Mizzou, yes, sir. Dude. When I um, I mentioned before when I when I went to SEC Media Days, one of the biggest storylines amongst the entire little you know talking circles were, you know, hey, like Missouri's defense is going to be really good. Like they returned, I think, like over like eighty percent of like their defensive production from last year, and they're five and zero. Brady Cook, uh, transfer for quarterback, uh, looks just. He looks, uh, he, him and Eli Drinkwitz look like a match made in heaven. And right now, it's just uh, it, Luther Burden, you can make the argument, is one of the top 15, 20 receivers in college football. And yeah. the fact that he was able to stay within Missouri, it's a big get for them. And obviously, just it, he's showcasing it now. Here's why I think this will be another, another shootout for LSU. <laughs> because. If you can have another so, one, but yeah, you know. No, you can because <laughs> both Missouri and LSU's pass defenses are god awful. Trash. LSU is one of the worst in the Power Five as a whole. Uh-huh. As DBU is one of the worst defensive backfields. Uh huh. Think about that one. It's wild. 
the the vulnerabilities are showing in that game. That's for sure. Like you as an LSU fan, I don't have to tell you anything you don't already know. Mizzou fans have to be just itching for this game, knowing that there's a shot to take down LSU. Because it's, I mean, it's not often that that comes around. That opportunity comes looking that good for a Mizzou fan. No, and, and to to say that LSU isn't favored. I mean, are they? Are they not? They are. They right? are. They're favored by five they, and a half. It's they been should flop, be. It's been flipping flopping from four and a half, five and a half. Like time they travelers are just. But they should also be like, man, watch out, <laughs> watch out. Yeah, like it's on. They're on the road. Which they were just on the road when they lost that massive shootout to uh, to Ole Miss and the Lane Train. God. So, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> it's it's conflicting for me because you know LSU has the better talent. Well, they had the better fucking talent last week and still lost. Now the offense looks awesome. Offense looks sweet. You Jalen guys are looking Hood. like every other Big 12 team right now. You can keep up with anybody, but you can't stop anybody. Can't stop a damn nosebleed. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You can put up 35 points, but we're giving up 40. Like, That's right. Mm-hmm. Shit. <laughs> it's very upsetting. Uh-huh. Uh, it's hard to but, watch. Um, it is, man. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what the uh, – actually, um, I'll take a little quick little – just a quick little gander. I'm pretty sure this over-under is in the 60s. I feel like it has to be. Okay, yeah, the over-under is 64.5. Ladies and gentlemen, bet this over. Now, I am happy, Greg, because this game is early in the morning. This is right after everyone's done their Saturday chores. They've watched their pregame shows. They've um, they've done, getting done with the golf course, getting done with the lawn. Doesn't matter. Like, it's like This is like one of the very first games. And it's, there you go. If this was at nighttime, I'd be a, I'd be a lot more worried. Like I'd be, I'd be pretty worried if this was night. But the fact that it's during the day, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, uh, like the, the fact pressure that it's of the, the day, lights, man. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, like it's and I, I'm all for it. And um, I feel like Jaden Daniels will continue to just. He's not really. I think he's like tied for like second or third in uh, touchdown passes with like Michael Penix. So he's in very good company Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's in the top five when it comes to Heisman contention. Again, it's just the defense just really, the defense is just not good right now. And I'm, I'm weird to say that it's going to be one of those games of whoever holds the ball last is going to win, but that's kind of that how it's looking turnovers. like it's going to be. Right. It's just it's feeling like it's gonna be one of those slinging it games where it's it's just gonna be a mess. Five overtimes, seventy to seventy three. Oh god! <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Bring I'm back that A and M game. <laughs> oh god! Seven overtime, both Dude, teams score. Nuts. It is. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with LSU. I'm taking LSU in that game. That's that's where I'm at with it. They're they're gonna bounce it's, back. They're gonna have themselves a game. Greg, my only optimism is that all right. Well, last year, kind of around this time, actually, they just happened to just get their ass kicked by Tennessee. Like, and it was at home. It wasn't even on the road. It was at home, and they just happened to bounce back, and then obviously go on to make an appearance in the SEC championship game. So they'll be ready to my play. Only, my only optimism, yes, is that okay. They really let it slip away with uh, with Lane Kiffin and crew, so they really have to come out and make a statement. Speaking of making a statement, another game that's going to be on right around that time, and I love this game simply because of the the chaos, the history, and pretty much how you have a divided field. Like if you're Oklahoma, half of the field is a home team or a home game, the other half is an away game, and vice versa with Texas. And, ladies and gentlemen, how can you know, lo- not love the Red River rivalry? I it's mean, always a rivalry played in- game alone, it just it makes it – all the intrigue is already just built into the game. The, the thing that makes it wildly different this year is that both of these teams are – are, are just not them like they're not themselves but in such good ways you know what i mean the oklahoma that we've known for the last decade isn't the oklahoma that's taking the field tomorrow you know it's a the brent venables like they're gonna, be, they're gonna be playing some defense you know 
Texas is finally back on the map and running the football and, and, and doing things well. And it's, it's going to be a wild game. I'm very excited to see this shake out. I I am as well, Greg, but here's, here's my problem. I don't know what the hell to think of Oklahoma. Me I really neither. don't like, Me like neither. they're five and O oh, and it's just kind of like a weird five and O oh. like the only game that I really saw, like really sort of, sort of watched for a little bit was when they played Cincinnati and they barely squeaked by them. It's, it's, and, I think it's how we're programmed. It's we've watched the Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma's that have been just so wildly impressive on offense there's an equally successful five and oh Oklahoma team that isn't that flashy offense. You know, it's Not apples to oranges, yeah. you know, it's yeah, I'm with you. It's hard to convince me that this is a very good Oklahoma team. Exactly. And ladies and gentlemen, in case you forgot about this game last year, that last year, Texas dog stomp, like dog walked Oklahoma 49 to nothing from the jump. Now, from like, the jump. Now, now, granted, Dylan Gabriel didn't play, but unfortunately, Dylan Gabriel also doesn't play defense. Right. And, the, okay, the one thing that I, I will say that I kind of know about Oklahoma, sort of, sort of, just like kind of a little bit of like the storyline of what Greg was talking about, just what you're accustomed to seeing. Well, this is just another year where they just have really good perimeter threats. Like they got really good receivers and that's, that's not a polarizing take or even just like a surprising story, but everything else, bro. Like I have, I have a sense of apathy for this Oklahoma team. Like I kind of, yeah, I'm with you. I've got Texas team. I've got Oklahoma. Oh, sorry, with, go ahead. I'm taking Oklahoma with the points though. That's how I've got it bet for tomorrow for a Saturday. I think okay, they keep it so... close. I don't think they, I don't think they beat them, but I think they keep it close. All right, so the time travelers have been kind of flipping this game too. So it's been going from it's currently six and a half, but it's been dropping down from like six, uh, you know, dropping up to what was it? Yeah, it's been dro- kind of like flipping, flopping from like six, six and a half. So you know, there's there's got to be a good bit of money already just coming in for Texas, and easily within Oklahoma, I feel like a lot of people, especially if it starts going down, you know, towards Saturday. I feel like a lot of people will probably just kind of like get with you and just start like, all right, we'll just keep it within Texas because this will be strength versus strength. You have Brett yep. Vanderbilt's defense going up against Steve Sarkeesian's offense, and you know someone's got to blink first. Um, I don't know about you, bro, but I've I've already publicly stated I'm I'm out on Quinn Ewers. I'm just kind of just like, eh, yeah, don't really you. see it. Like, Me neither. He'll he'll have a great game, then next week he'll be terrible. And then, and then I'll have another great game that'll be really average and just kind of just, and this is with an offensive coach and Steve Sarkeesian and with all the five stars they have at just fucking what seems like every position group. And if, if Quinn Ewers is Mountain Dew, Spencer Rattler is Pepsi. It's just a different flavored soda. <laughs> yeah. And people are still going to talk about how much of a knockoff they were for the uh-huh. original product as uh-huh. well. Uh, I hate this, bro. I don't. I don't like it. I, I've never liked Texas. I, you know what? Screw it. I don't care if I'm wrong or whatnot. I'm going with Oklahoma. I, I can. I, I draw the line when I'm picking Texas A&M. I will not <laughs> pick Texas to win this game. I don't even care if I'm wrong. I just. I can't do it. I, I've got. My, I've got Texas in my final four, so I've got them winning tomorrow. But I got Oklahoma keeping it close. Maybe the Manhattan talking, but it won't let me pick Texas right now. <laughs> so you, as I so you're taking the or hammering the points as well. Sure am. Okay. All right. Well, it's if that's the case, then thankfully it's not going to end forty nine to nothing. Right. <laughs> we'll actually see a good Red River rivalry game. Say uh, that again I, three I, times fast. <laughs> the red wibble wobbly it's wabbit season he's, he's got him <laughs> it's wabbit season uh no well um i guess uh well uh, i just mentioned texas a&m hell let's just roll screw into it. it let's just roll right into it man ladies and gentlemen them uh them fighting elephants are uh heading into kyle field 
uh, we're Greg and I are recording this podcast Thursday night, so uh, Yale practice is currently not going. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we don't really care, really, really keep up with the yelling practice that the Aggies uh, nation do. But this is one of those games where you just kind of hope that. I mean, just from my personal perspective, as being an LSU fan, I hope this is a tie. Right? Like, can both teams lose? <laughs> can both? Yeah, can both teams like even with the play or uh, the the extra overtime rules like it's like just going for two what can both teams just just lose like, i mean like is there uh, year in and year I, I out no matter what the scenario is for either team this always feels like a trap game for whichever team looks better it, it, it each team's record could be wildly different and it doesn't matter they always come in and play they play a solid game and i think it's more of a rivalry between jimbo and saban <laughs> than it is actually between the guys playing on the teams but yeah, I'm with it. Can they both just lose, please? Like, can we a tie? You said it, a tie. Like, can we can we have our first tie in college football? For yeah, can, for the can playoff? we have just some type of anomaly <laughs> where both teams just fall? Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is a, this is an email or a FaceTime question for Greg Sankey himself, just to <laughs> just to really get the four one one. But um. Greg, the fact that this is a essentially a pick'em game, like speaks volume to both coaches and both programs. I don't know about you, but I actually think there's more pressure on Jimbo in this game than there is Nick Saban. I agree. I feel like the uh, I don't want to say the excuses, but the the the, the narrative is already kind of out there. If Alabama loses this game, we already know that it's because of the subpar quarterback play that's already been proven isn't a thing this year for Alabama. You know, like, that, the writing's on the wall for that one already. If Jimbo Fisher loses this game, hot seat, dude. Like, hot seat. <laughs> the f- hot I mean, seat. it seems like week in and week out, we have that speculation of how hot is that seat. And I just think that because he's at home and i believe the last time that alabama went to texas and like the in that where they had the walk off uh field goal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he's already beaten nick saban that's not the issue the issue is like basically especially the, just how high the stakes are for this week and for this game greg like that that game specifically alabama and texas a&m whoever wins that game would be pretty much first place and kind of have like a nice uh, sitting point for winning the SEC West. This is prime even, for setting yourself up to win it. Yes, absolutely. Even with Notre Dame, or not Notre Dame, excuse me, uh, Ole Miss lurking, like if, if Ole Miss happens to beat Arkansas, which I'm, I don't really care too, too much about that. game. It just seems like a fun game to watch personally, but yeah, like, well, uh, but with, Bama and Texas A&M, like, yeah, this would basically just be the supremacy. Like, especially if we're (laughs) – like, if you're Alabama, you can kind of just have Nick Saban just kind of, like, give us a little smirk. Like, you know, well, y'all talked about the rat poison, and I didn't really want to buy into it. You know, our players (laughs) are doing whatever we need to do and whatever we ask them to do. So quit asking me. <laughs> and then you have G- uh, Jimbo Fisher just be like, well, you know, our players didn't really get anything, uh, what we were supposed to do. We, we, we had everything everything set up. He didn't really uh, execute. Next thing you know, everything. Uh, Nick Saban's a really good coach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there, there is so much. Th- this game is entertaining for just so many different ways. And again, I think there's more pressure on Jimbo because, yes, like, <laughs> well, especially with how the recruiting class turned out, Greg. You remember and how they? Yeah, you could. There's le- the, the, so the head coaches are obviously the face of the programs at any of these D1 schools. We already went through and talked about Jim Harbaugh and everything else, and Dion. Uh, but it's just it's it's the clash of two guys. I don't. It's not two teams playing. It's it's Jimbo against Saban. It's always how this game shapes out, and it's wild because. Obviously, there's a ton of talent on each side, lots of big names, lots of whatever. But at the end of the day, the conversation's always about those two. Just those two. And mm-hmm. those two are the deciding factor. And mm-hmm. Greg, that's probably why the time travelers have this as a pick'em game. Like, just flip a coin five times, whatever it lands on three times. Like, 
pick that one. Like, so this like, this will be the week that I'm wrong again with Alabama, but I, I've picked against them for the last two weeks, and they've come out and played some solid football. I, I, I'm going to take Alabama this week, and this will be the week that they show up the way I've been picturing them to show up for the last few. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. The only thing that gives me intrigue about just keeping this game close, I think this will actually be a low-scoring affair because – the quarterbacks on both teams are both sort of mobile. Jalen Monroe, obviously more than um, Max Johnson, but both teams pass rush or their defensive lines are both really, really good. And are you seeing a sloppy game from Alabama to, back and forth. <clears throat> the only sloppy game I saw from Texas A and M was when they got beat down by. Miami, but they had a lead in that game and they just like, you know, squandered it away. But then again, I picked Miami to win that game, but Texas A&M, especially the last like couple weeks, like their defense has looked really, really good. And God, (laughs) I've already picked, I've already picked Texas A&M once this year and I picked them to cover and they actually, actually financially benefited off of it. There you go. Screw it! I'm picking Texas A&M. Look they're at, at home. They're they they got to feel good again. Like the desperate man and Jimbo. Who Desperation's a big you? thing. Did you just hear yourself? I did. <laughs> I'm proud did. of you. I'm proud of I you. Did. You picked Texas A&M. Look at you. I, I know, ladies I don't and gentlemen. Like we've we've crossed a milestone here on the show. Milestones <laughs> and uh, just crossing a line in general, but um. Fair. Speaking of cross, yeah. Well, speaking of crossing a line, we talked about uh, a little bit of how Colorado pretty much just gets every bit of their players up a little bit as far as an emotional standpoint and playing big games. Well, Notre Dame's pretty much done the same thing too, from North Carolina State to um, Ohio State, and even last week against Duke. Like Notre Dame has been in some nail biting, like kind of edge of your seat style of games and here we are again find ourselves another week notre dame goes on the road they are favored but they go into louisville another five and O team where not a lot of people are really talking about uh I, I, i'm really a fan of what um of what jeff brom's doing uh down in louisville i mean the fact what that he he's leaves, doing at louisville is what he it, did at purdue in the big 10 Yes, sir. No, nobody really was very much talking about Purdue, but they were always sneaky good. Sneaky, they would win that one good. game they weren't supposed to. That's right. I mean, we played them in the Big Ten Championship, what, two years ago? Last year? Um, I mean, they played good football two years ago? Last year. I think Whatever. it was two years ago, yeah. Two years ago was well, Iowa. That, last year was Purdue. That's um, right. Okay, yeah, that's right. Either way, I mean, Jeff Brom is doing some – if there's a if there's a guy that's going to prepare an underdog to beat a Notre Dame, you're telling me I could draw out of a hat and get Jeff Brom out of that? I'm I'm winning that lottery, dude. That's why I'm picking Louisville. Me too. Like, yep. They've got nothing to lose. They're at home, and again, there's I mean Notre Dame's been playing really well, specifically Sam Hartman and the receivers. Like Sam Hartman's playing really really good. But again, like this would be the third week that you find yourself in like one of those emotional games, and you know you already experienced the one loss to Ohio State, un- unfortunately due to a let's just say a numbers game, and then you know you have to have that big drive against Duke last week, and you know now you're coming into on again on the road in a hostile environment with a team that's believing with a coach that's really good. Yeah, man, give me Louisville. The, um, that, the opportunity has to present itself, but Jeff Brom, I guarantee you, had this game circled on the calendar for all of his guys. And bet me, there's going to be at least two gadget plays tomorrow in that game from Louisville. They're going to have not? some wide open playbook, messy stuff. That's going to be like, holy cow, that was awesome. That's it. <sighs> Book it. It's going to happen. Why not? <clears throat> why not us? Like this? Just why not us? Like we again we're. The fact that this is literally like, ladies and gentlemen, Notre Dame is a uh, uh, not even a touchdown favorite. They're a six and a half favorite. So, time travelers are even telling you something like, "All right, well, can they really keep this up? Like, can they really just go on a tear here? Especially again with a a team with a really good coach." Um, There's gonna be a fake punt that keeps this within two. You know what I mean? Or or lets them get the win there. 
fake yeah. punt, wide receiver pass, like a hook yep, and yep, ladder. Yep. yep. Something. So, something is going to just, again, why not? Because when, you know, we already talked about when Jeff Brown was at Purdue, he just, especially when it comes to like Ohio State, like he would always win a few of those games he really wasn't supposed to. And I feel for like sure. this is kind of shaping up for that culture to just jump over to Louisville, Kentucky. But, um, well, actually, we're actually staying in the, the state of Kentucky. And unfortunately, this, uh, even though that this Kentucky team just beat the shit out of Florida with their big blue wall, unfortunately, yeah, they, they now have to go to Sanford Stadium in Athens there between the hedges when the Kentucky Wildcats take on the Georgia Bulldogs. Ladies the and already, gentlemen. The already tested Kentucky Wildcats face the untested Georgia Bulldogs. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this kind of goes a little bit against the rules of ball and barrel. So we don't like to cover big double spread games unless there's a storylines. We don't like to cover blowout games because we don't like blowout games. Right now, Georgia sits as a 14 and a half point favorite over Kentucky. And for those of you that watch, again, Kentucky just completely run over Florida. And last week, how Georgia and they're struggling with Auburn gives you a little bit of a speculation of why is it only just 14 and a half. Now, to be fair, for those that didn't watch that game, the way that Auburn has their offense set up is pretty... Well, Greg, it's almost just like a, not, a, not a full triple option, but the quarterback is definitely mobile and making a lot of reads to set up the run game. Robbie sure. Ashford... It really just kind of just put them in a position to actually just like keep it together. But unfortunately, Brock Bowers just happens to be the best tight end in college football and just show Without question. as to Absolutely. why. Yeah, exactly. So, but right now, man, like it, it, time travelers are not showing any respect to that. They're just saying that, all right, that's just a Georgia little slip up. You know, they'll get it together. Now, thankfully, Greg, we're going to find out who this Georgia team is pretty much before Halloween. Because their next seven games, or I guess their next six games now, are all against SEC opponents. 100%. Every single one of them. And right now, my man, the SEC, as crazy as it is to say, there's really not a team, including Georgia and including Alabama, that's really separating from the pact. There's not. They're all just kind of like within this melting pot together. and And it's not that there's anybody really struggling more than the other. There's just... It's not feeling like the same powerhouse conference all the way around. It's not feeling like you're beating up on each other. It's feeling like everyone's slipping up at different times. And it's odd to watch, but in the same respect, it makes me really want to pull for Kentucky tomorrow because I feel like there's an opportunity there to kind of shock the world, so to speak, but in the same same breath, kind of expose Georgia for maybe what people have been thinking. There's the flip side of the coin of people that thinking maybe Georgia's fallen off, but we just haven't seen it yet. And maybe this is the game that we see it. And who knows? I'm a big fan of Ray Davis. Again, when you run over 200 yards against a Florida defense, that, that says something doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you are. Like it was, when you think of Florida, even if it's like good and bad, and even like when you think of Florida, they notoriously are known for, having big defensive linemen and fast linebackers. And if you're able to put 200 yards on the ground, that's just impressive. So, Greg, I think this will be more of a let's let Devin Leary, the quarterback, beat us, which I don't think he will at all. Devin Leary is not good. No. I don't, <laughs> I no. Not good. When when that aspect of the game is taken away, I, yes, I do see Kentucky struggling. Do I necessarily see that being taken away from them? I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a there's an offensive scheme that that I'm not seeing Georgia being the shutdown defense of the years past. It's just not oh, showing they're, itself. They're not okay. So, Greg, the biggest difference is uh, from what uh, from what I was uh, reading was that. So pretty much their interior pressure. So like a Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, that's not there this year. That was there for the last two years. And now both of those guys play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Which is wild. We won't get into that. (laughs) (laughs) If 
you want to have a whole podcast praising Howie Howie Mandel or uh, not Howie Mandel? Howie Mandel. <laughs> oh gosh. Let's say if we want to if we want to praise Howie Mandel, we can. But uh, I'm just saying if we want to have a whole podcast and um, <laughs> in praising Howie Roseman, then yeah, we we can get Rob and Justin back on that one. But uh, <laughs> but no, just um, they just don't have that interior like presence anymore like as far as just from a georgia defensive line they don't have the guys to really like take up the blockers and really free up pretty much everyone around them like they don't have that and it's really starting to show especially if you can really run on them and even though kentucky has a great offensive line and you know their defensive line just seems pretty decent i just think the reason that it's 14 and a half i just think that they're just going to just completely sell out for the run and they're just going to say Devin Leary beat us. And I, I, I don't think... see I don't see Kentucky winning through the air. Uh, I don't see them keeping it close if they have to go through the air. The only way they come out of this game, even keeping it close or winning it at all, is to have any sort of a run game. That's their identity. That's what they have to do. They, I, I see a lot of similarities with how Michigan plays football. Um, granted, we've got much better quarterback play, but we've we've got to establish a run game to to feel like we're comfortable in a football field. I feel like Kentucky's much the same way. Well, it looks like Kentucky's actually good against the run as well, so that'll definitely help. What? what I don't want the over under this. This. Oh, okay. <laughs> Greg, over under for this uh, time travelers are one, and this is a uh, forty-seven and a half. Oh boy, they're expecting that's tough. a little. Yeah, they're expecting a low little slugfest right here. Just. Back man, oh and man. forth, back. Okay, that's. I mean, again, Kentucky, Kentucky's five and zero. Oh, just you know, everyone knows about Georgia. That's, I mean, man. Kentucky's proven that they've got an explosive ability to have some some long plays. I mean, their run game doesn't mean they can't score from the other side of the field. It uh, doesn't. But the thing is, bro, it's just like Devin Leary again is not good. He, that like, Liam Cohen though, is a tough. really good offensive coordinator, but. Devin Leary is like actually let me let me look at Devin Leary's numbers real quick. Hold on, let me where is this? I just pulled it up not too long ago. 82 for 142, 1100 yards, 10 tuds, five picks. So he not basically great. throws a pick a, no, so he basically throws a pick a game. Even though that Georgia doesn't have like the interior presence to stop the run as dominantly as they can, they still have a good defensive back group and if you literally just sell out to where, you know, Devin Leary is supposed to beat you now, it's like, all right, well, just sit back, play zone, and just wait for the ball to get there. Hey, kid, have a day. Go beat Georgia. Yes. Like, <laughs> real, like go beat Georgia. At at Georgia. Go yeah, have a day. At, at night. Like, uh-huh. do all this. <laughs> If this was in if this was in uh, Lexington, I'd feel a little bit different. But the fact that it's you know it's it's in Georgia, they're at home. They gotta they gotta have a little bit of just like they need to prove. I gotta feel like they're gonna have a, a sense of pride to prove like, hey, we're still Georgia, right? Like we like we need to beat the shit out of this team. <laughs> I mean, at some point we'll, you gotta put a stamp on something, and especially after struggling the way they did. <laughs> You're just letting first place votes go away, and they're going. I'm glad to see them go because they're just going right to my boys. But exactly, they are. At some point, they got to put their foot down and be Georgia. And if they if they don't, I mean, number one spot's about to be somebody else's. Well, not just uh, they didn't just struggle against Auburn. I forgot that they kind of they struggled against South Carolina too. They didn't look great against South Carolina either. Mm-mm. Like they only beat South Carolina by ten points, beat Auburn by seven. Like that's that's not the Georgia that we're accustomed to seeing over this last couple of years. So it's, uh, I pick Georgia. I'll pick Georgia to win, but I'll actually like the plus fourteen and a half for that's Kentucky. A lot. That's a lot. Like give me that. Like because yeah. I, I feel like it'll be much like that's le- how I've got it. God, the only thing that would really kill that, Greg, is if. De- Devin Leary like throws like one or two pick sixes. That, if, that's if the he's got, one. Yeah, a turnover that turns oh. immediately into points. That's a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that pick. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. It's all right. All right. I, 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 I'm, I'm taking with it. it though. I'm, I'm a Devin Leary fan. Let's get it, boy. Come on, beat up on some Georgia. 
All right, then. Yeah, so you heard it here. Like, I'm going with Georgia, but taking Kentucky points. Greg's saying take Kentucky, even money line altogether. Greg, before I get you out of here, you've been such an incredible go, uh, incredible co-host, as always. I need your Heisman and your Natty winner. Oh, gosh, man. All right, well, bias, I'm going to say Michigan's going all the way. They're taking it this year. There's no stopping these guys. They're motivated. Again, They're talented. really good path. Really good path. And the fact that Ohio State still hasn't blown people away – Penn State looks now. I love Drew Aller. That I loved him since last year. Penn the State's P- got a pretty good team. Yes, they do. They're they're the ones that scare me out of the Big Ten. I'm not terribly nervous about an Ohio State. I mean, obviously that that game always is that game, and they're always going to get me the butterflies. But at the end of the day, the team that scares me that I have to get through, or that we have to get through, is is the Penn State. It, man, it, James Franklin's got a thing going down there, man. He does. Uh, Heisman winner. Uh, man, I hate to be going Pac-12 with it, but legitimately, if we're not talking about Michael Penix or Bo Nix, that's, that's one, two for me right now. It, it, I don't Makes think sense. there's any question. It's flip a coin. It's Bo Nix, Michael Penix. It, it, one and two for me. So last week when, uh, or not last week, uh, two weeks ago when, uh, I was talking about it with, um, with an Ohio State fan, we were just kind of just like discussing a little bit with how like the Heisman alike turn out with um, like different ones. And we both were actually picking Shador Sanders. And I mentioned, I was like the one person right now that can just from a number standpoint, that can really just kind of, you know, push the envelope would be Michael Penix because I mean, he's just, and plus Greg, I mean, you've seen it. He throws a beautiful deep ball. Like, they say chicks look, dig the deep ball. You know, he probably has that tatted <laughs> on his back or even just on the arm that he throws it with. Just just chicks dig the deep ball. And, and he looked that good at Indiana. Before he even transferred and looked as good as he does at Washington, he was a stud at Indiana. It's just the injury history that's literally just giving mm-hmm. everyone, even the scouting community, caution. But um, with a Heisman winner, bro, I'm actually going to stick with the guy I've been going with the last three weeks. I'm going to stick with Shador. Like you the should. Fact Ride that, he, that horse. I, bro, like, even last week, like, the fact that he, Colorado was able to score the last 20 points. I think this week they play, like, Arizona State or Stanford, one of those two. And I think whoever they don't play, they play the next week. So he's got a nice little stretch to actually, like, put up some numbers and I looked at their schedule uh, earlier today. Uh, towards the end, when they play like UCLA and Utah, like they got a chance to actually like upset some people. So right now, I'm going to stick. For, as far as the Heisman winner, I'm going to stick with. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to stick with Shador. And as far as my national championship, um, yeah, uh, I believe I'll have right now. I'd say I'd have um, Michigan over Florida State. Yeah, I mean it's. It depends on how it shakes out, one, two, three, four. But, yeah, I've got Michigan winning it. I don't know who they're playing. But my final four, I've got Georgia, Texas, Florida State. You heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we got as we're recording here in early October. Greg, thank you for spending time with me, talking some ball. Always a great time. It is always a great time. Before I get you out of here, ladies and gentlemen, before I get every one of you out of here, of course, I have to tell you about my friends about Acres Down South. Yeah, you I, I cannot tell Greg everyone about this company more often, even when I'm not podcasting, like even when I'm wearing their stuff out and someone asks me about a shirt, the hat that I'm wearing, I always love telling them about this company. And the reason is so is because not only did they have elite merchandise, it's game day polos, performance polos, infinity stretch. So it moves with you, stay cool and dry during any activity whether you're taking a hike, you're on the golf course, you're trying to win the water cooler and just try to make it seem like you're a Nostradamus and know exactly what you're talking about and predicting the future. Or if you're uh, just hanging out with Greg and just writing some music or even just hey. uh, just <laughs> or just uh, doing some fishing at his uh, secret spot. I won't say where that secret spot is. Uh, the fish don't uh, even know about it. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> And when Greg catches those fish, you can actually use the Acres Down South delicious seasoning and sauces that they have. Sweet hats, obviously. I always rock my uh, my Louisiana purple rope hat. You can't ever go wrong. And Greg, man, the one of the best features, if not the best feature about this entire 
company is that they're involved in NIL. So if you or you know anyone else that wants to look and expand their name, image, and likeness, please get with Acres Down South to let them make you some coin, expand your brand, and put some extra money and exposure into your pocket when you and look go to their doing it, baby. Look good doing it, my man. <laughs> you can follow them on every bit of the socials, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Uh, when you go to their website and you have picked out every bit of those merchandise, whether it be for you, your friends, your family, whomever, at the checkout, when you enter the promo code 3DP, that's 3D as in pi- dog, P as in pirate, you get 15% off your entire order, limited one use per order. Again, the promo code 3DP at checkout. Greg, thank you again, sir. Look forward to the next time. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! <laughs>